quick word of warning to our listeners, this episode includes graphic details of the murder of a teenager. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Will Johnson. The show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Absolute shock. You know, I've, I've known him for a while, for you know, close to 20 years. We've uh, done music together. We've played golf together. The odd thing is, he, he's always come over to either our house or to the venue that we're doing the music. I don't, I don't know if anyone has actually been over to his house. Really clever, creative, uh, compassionate. Here's how authorities were able to link Hyde to the crime. They looked through the trash of Hyde's Jacksonville Beach home in April of last year and found medicated nasal swabs that people used to fight colds. They were able to match the DNA found on those swabs to DNA found on Fred Laster's body. We're talking about you putting a 16-year-old boy in a dumpster. No, sir, that wasn't me. So, but it was. And again, you can try to say, oh, it wasn't me. I've got everything that says it was. It was especially um, horrific and calculated in terms of, you know, the the removal of the hands. I mean, as the prosecutor pointed out, if they had identified Fred Lasseter the day he was found, the first question would have been, well, who was he last with? And the case probably would have been solved instantly because everybody knew the last person he was with. It's just that nobody bothered to speak to that person for two decades, essentially. On June 5th, 1994, police in Lake City, Florida, about an hour west of Jacksonville, made a horrifying discovery. A torso found next to a gas station dumpster. It was a a very oddly dismembered torso. It was missing its head and its hands and its legs, but, and its buttocks. It still kind of contained its genitalia. So it was a very strange physical thing that they found. Um, The body had apparently been washed. Because his hands were missing, um, they weren't able to get fingerprints, and this was pre-DNA, so they really didn't know who this torso was. This is Ann Schindler, an executive producer of Special Projects at First Coast News in Jacksonville. She says at the time, without a lot of evidence, the body went unidentified. Till almost two decades later, when the twin sister of a teenager who'd gone missing around the time the body was discovered realized that it could be that of her missing twin brother. And that realization happened in, you know, around 2015, I think, when his sister, his twin sister, Daisy Lassiter, discovered on a website, at the Center for Missing and Exploited Children website, she found a posting that she thought could be connected to her brother, and she reached out, and they then had some DNA evidence on what was uh, the torso and what was found in the dumpster Um, what the torso was next to. And uh, she submitted a DNA sample and they connected her to her twin brother. um, And the case kind of went from there. Her teenage brother was Fred Laster, a 16-year-old from Nassau County, Florida. When he went missing, his family thought he was with this um, pastor of their church, sort of a um, gentleman by the name of Ronnie Hyde, who'd taken an interest in the family and provided for them. Um, And sometimes... uh, the kids stayed with him. Um, So they didn't actually know he was missing for quite some time and didn't report him missing for months. Um, And so when the body was found, there wasn't this immediate sense that there was someone missing that the body belonged to. But when the body was identified, the investigation heated up. 
They started then reinvestigating the case and spoke to the family members who said, yeah, the last person our brother was with was Ronnie Hyde. He was the pastor of this church that my grandmother attended and that we all attended. Um, we sometimes stayed with him. One of the older brothers had actually lived with him. Um, and he, you know, would make some sort of charity to them and, and then was very involved in their lives. Um, and when, when Fred disappeared, nobody really ever, um, no, no investigators ever really circled back um, with, with Hyde. Nobody ever interviewed him. Police never contacted him. The family members, the surviving siblings, he has five surviving siblings, um, did reach out and had in their telling, um, not very helpful responses. One sister testified that Ronnie Hyde, when she called and asked where Fred was, laughed and hung up. Um, so another time, another sister contacted him and he said, well, uh, I was with Fred that night, you know, that last night he was seen by anyone alive. Um, but he, pulled the wheel of my car over the steering wheel, pulled to the side of the road and jumped out in the middle of the dark night and ran off. And I think he got in another car uh, and, and left. And that was the last I ever saw of him. So he had this story that he had uh, been with Fred, but Fred had not wanted to go back home um, and he was driving him back home. And so Fred, you know, jumped out of the vehicle and left and was never seen again. Of course, that was not a story he shared with anybody um, including the siblings when they contacted him trying to find their brother. It wasn't until, um, anyway, years, I guess, later that that sort of became his default explanation. But armed with new evidence in the identification of the body, police honed in on Ronnie Hyde, the last person known to have seen 16-year-old Fred Laster alive. They had done a stakeout um, outside of his house in Jacksonville Beach, and they had gone through his trash, and they'd actually found, like, some sort of nasal swab or something that he'd used um, and, and matched his DNA to items that were found in the dumpster uh, next to where this torso was found. And that included a shirt, a plaid shirt that had his DNA on it um, through hair and um, other, you know, DNA that was found. And there was also items that appeared to be from his house. Um, and after they did get a search warrant for the house, they found, for instance, part of a knife set that um, matched two knives that were found in the dumpster covered with blood. Um, they found these egg crate mattresses that um, in his house, similar to one that this, all the kind of other items had been wrapped in, a blood-soaked wet mattress that they found with the knives, the shirt, and then these weird kind of um, appliques that people put in their tub so they don't slip. These ones were shaped like daisies and kind of a pea green or a, like a yellowish green. Um, and so some distinctive items that in the end investigators found really closely matched or identically matched items that had been in Ronnie Hyde's Jacksonville Beach home. Ronnie Hyde was brought in for questioning, picked up on a traffic violation. Investigators eventually brought up Fred Laster and his connection to Ronnie Hyde. Hyde repeated his story about what happened the last time he saw Laster back in 1994. Tell me, like I said, the report says you picked him up and then he went missing. Do you know like what happened to him or where he went or anything? No, I was taking him back home. He, okay. He, it was, uh, I guess it was his sister that made the report. 
And so I was, was taking him back home. Yeah, he didn't okay. want to go back home. <laughs> okay. Where did you pick him up from? The sister's apartment. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, um, so you picked him up from the sister's apartment. Right. Okay. So you picked him up from there, and you were taking him home. Like, where home? Um, th- they lived up in Yulee. Okay. He lived with his grandparents. So you picked him up, and he didn't want to go home. So did you drop him off at the house anyway, or what happened? No, I didn't drop him off at all. That's when he came missing. He uh, he pulled the he grabbed the steering wheel and pulled the the car over off the road to the side of the road. Okay. And uh, got out of the car and ran. Actually, ran across the the, the roads, a two lane. Uh, highway A1A there. Mm-hmm. There was a pickup truck, um, kind of like a flatbed pickup truck that stopped. Flatbed pickup? Right. But investigators didn't accept Hyde's version of events, ultimately sharing with Hyde the evidence against him and accusing him of Fred Laster's disappearance and murder. This is an edited portion of that same police interview. So we do know where his body was found at. Going back oh to God. that time frame. Okay. Now, I will tell you that we were able to get a co- uh, sample of your DNA mm-hmm. several months ago, and your DNA matches the DNA from that crime scene. Okay. So, what I'm here to tell you today is I know how Fred Paul Astor got in a dumpster in Lake City. Okay. And I know who put him there. And I know that was that person was you. And I will tell you that I have plenty of evidence to back that up, <laughs> including your car mm-hmm. backed up to that dumpster, mm-hmm. and all the DNA evidence, the fingerprint evidence, the stuff that was left in there that was thrown away with that body. The last time I saw Fred was that evening. The last I time you hurt, saw Fred, I did not hurt that boy. The last time you saw Fred. Right. was when you were pushing, trying to push his body into the dumpster, no. and then it fell down, and then you dragged it behind the dumpster. No, sir. But that's what I'm telling you, is that all the evidence says that. All the evidence points at you. you. You understand that? There's evidence that Lee Harvey Oswald killed President Kennedy, but that don't make it We're true. not talking about the Kennedy assassination. Right. We're talking about you talking about putting a 16-year-old boy in a dumpster. No, sir. That wasn't me. So, but it was. And again, you can try to say, oh, it wasn't me. But I've got everything that says it was. Hyde would go on to request an attorney, and police would charge him that same day with Fred Laster's murder. In the meantime, investigators began going through Ronnie Hyde's Florida home. Part of what they found in his home when they did do the search was that he had become like an epic hoarder. And even his own attorneys at trial told the jurors, like, you're going to see pictures that rival anything you've ever seen on that TV show. And it is true. I mean, he, you know, when they arrested him, he was living in a house that had no running water. He was using basically the the toilet and the tub as his bathroom. And I spoke to investigators who did participate in the search and they were leaving the house, literally leaving the house to throw up and then go back in to to collect. They had to, in the end, they decided they were just going to bring out the items 
which they don't typically do, and process them outside under a tent and photograph them there because they just couldn't be in the space. It was just that disgusting. Right now, federal authorities and law enforcement continue to search homes across the city looking for new evidence. They believe that there could be more victims. This morning, our cameras were rolling as investigators continue to dig at the home on Thelma Street. First Coast News' Alex Osidas joins us from Jacksonville Beach, where authorities believe Ronnie Hyde dismembered Fred Laster's body. Police working throughout the day, even expanding the perimeter out here in Jacksonville Beach, where they have been searching the property of Ronnie Hyde now for the second day. You can see behind us here that police have 3rd Avenue at 9th Street blocked off. That's just a few hundred feet back from that house. And here is some image from earlier this morning when we saw evidence being brought out into a tent just in front of the house out in the street here. We've also seen equipment being brought in to examine that house and the property near it. Now, we've been trying to talk with neighbors out here, many going off camera with us, telling us this is a quiet neighborhood. They were surprised to see what was going on just steps from where they live. They were opening DVD cases or CD cases. I couldn't tell which. The, one of the garage door windows was open, and you could see boxes just piled up inside the garage. Decades of details and evidence gathered over the years would be revealed in the arrest warrant. Fred Laster's family told police as early as 1995 that Hyde was the last person seen with the 16-year-old. They said Hyde gave them different stories about Fred's whereabouts, but the arrest warrant says there is no record indicating any law enforcement contacted Hyde regarding the disappearance. Hyde became a friend of the family when he was a youth pastor at their church, Strength for Living, in Jacksonville. Back then, it was believed that Hyde resided here on Thelma Street, on Jacksonville's east side, currently being guarded by police and the FBI. The FBI believes the murder of Fred Laster happened in Jacksonville. That's where Ronnie Hyde is in jail, and it's here in Jacksonville Beach where his home was raided and then boarded up. But today we traveled about 80 miles west of us to sit down with the Columbia County Sheriff because that is the agency that cracked the case. I've lived in Columbia in this area all my life, and um, it was a it was a big case. Long before Sheriff Mark Hunter was even in law enforcement, he remembers how this case hit his hometown. You find a mutilated body, uh, it, it affects your community. He's not critical of the team that was on the case 23 years ago. Rather, he invited them in to help round out their new investigation. We actually brought back all of the previous investigators that had worked on the case, that had some of them had since retired. The point man on this case was Deputy Sheriff Sergeant Jimmy Watson, who is staying out of the spotlight as he's expected to be a key witness for the state. Jimmy got this in, uh, I believe it was 2012. He actually took the book and just peeled it apart and went through it. And that takes a while to do that. The FBI eventually became the lead agency, which usually indicates the case is being connected across state lines. The sheriff could not confirm, but says multiple agencies are involved to cover several jurisdictions. How likely is it that we're looking at a serial killer? Um, uh, the potential is very high. I mean, I'll just I'll just say that there's the. the this was this was pretty horrific. At least 4,000 documents released this week. Our investigative team has been digging into them, and we found for the first time released to the public that the victim in this case, Fred Laster, was actually the foster child to Ronnie Hyde. Also, that he claimed Laster and his siblings on his IRS tax forms, and that he's being investigated, linking him 
possibly to other local child disappearances, but no connection has been made. But what these documents also reveal is just how much access Hyde had to children. The case against Ronnie Hyde has sent investigators combing through decades of his life. The now 61-year-old was a licensed counselor and documents released Friday show he spent hours counseling preteens at Callahan Middle School. On a resume, Hyde's counseling experience included churches, youth organizations, and interest in being a relaxation expert on a job application at a youth nudist camp that appears to be now closed. A lot of times he had young boys with him. Last year, a relative of Hyde talked to First Coast News about his past. He would just say he would be counseling them and um, they um, were in um, bad relationships with their parents and that's how they hooked up. Hyde also had counseling access to prisoners. Detectives found accusations from an inmate claiming Hyde had sexual encounters with prisoners in his office. Detectives weren't able to find if that claim was ever investigated. But what was investigated, the disappearance of Fred Laster. In police reports, the teenager's siblings in 94 tell police Hyde was the last one who saw their brother alive. But there's no mention in the thousands of pages if Hyde was ever directly questioned. Years later, Hyde would be red flagged in a Canadian child porn sting called Operation Spade. His name was one of hundreds in several countries, and Hyde was never arrested, not until March of 2017, when detectives would piece together the counselor's connection to Fred Laster, his foster son's corpse. As it turns out, much of what was learned and discussed by investigators during that interview with Ronnie Hyde would not be allowed at his trial. For instance, about him being you know, a nudist and, and all this other stuff was not a uh, presented at trial because it was after he, you know, quote unquote invoked or said that he wanted an attorney or thought he should speak to an attorney. And so um, a lot of that was not um, permitted to the jurors. And in fact, a lot about this case was not presented at the murder trial. He has a very competent defense lawyer, um, Ann Fennell, here in Jacksonville, who a lot of people might recognize from the Casey Anthony case, but she's handled a lot of really high profile cases. And initially when they charged Ronnie Hyde, they charged him with the murder of, of Ted Lasseter, but also 25 counts of possession of child pornography that they found in the house. Um, and she successfully severed those two things saying there's, you know, there's no relationship between the child pornography and this alleged murder. And so the, that jurors only heard about the murder. It was really specifically focused on the torso, the items found, the DNA, um, and that was pretty much it. And so all of these weird things about Ronnie Hyde and, and man, is he weird? And he he testified, and it was clear that he was weird. I mean, he really is an odd, strange guy. But most of the things that would make people think, you know, strangely of him were really not permitted as evidence. His attorney challenged, you know, much of the, the evidence, a lot of the potential testimony, and they had these, you know, preliminary, whether they were proffers or, or testimony in, in motions to suppress. I don't quite remember, but at any rate, there was extensive testimony by the siblings um, about his sexual interest in children and, you know, sort of the, the prosecution theory being that, you know, he'd, he'd either been spurned or, or, you know, something had gone awry in this relationship with 16-year-old Fred Laster and that that was why he killed him. 
In March of this year, Ronnie Hyde finally faced a jury as his trial began in a Jacksonville courtroom. A high-profile murder trial finally gets underway in a case that dates back to 1994. Former youth pastor Ronnie Hyde is accused of killing and dismembering 16-year-old Fred Laster, a teenager that was also his foster child for a time. Hyde has been in jail since 2017 when prosecutors say DNA and other evidence linked him to the Lake City dumpster where the teenager's torso was found. Hyde is charged with 25 counts of possessing child pornography. Those charges, though, will be prosecuted separately. But in the end, the evidence was still pretty powerful just in terms of the DNA connection, which there wasn't maybe a good explanation for, at least not one that jurors found convincing. And I mean, as just an, a viewer and somebody who followed the trial, I do think that those little daisies that were found in his bathtub were really... Um, a particularly compelling bit of evidence. They were in this wrapped in this, you know, soaked blood soaked egg crate mattress with these other items. Um, and when they went to his house and cleaned out the tub, which was, you know, filthy like everything else in the house, but when they put it under lights, you know, really strong lights, you could see the impression of all of these Daisy appliques that had been, at one time in the tub and we're no longer there. And so it was pretty powerful evidence um, that jurors obviously found compelling. I mean, I think, you know, a couple of things that just were of note were, you know, the fact that there was, uh, that his family members did testify, even though they were very limited in what they could testify about. His twin sister testified about trying to file these police reports and um, her call with with Ronnie Hyde, where she said he, he laughed and hung up. Um, they also testified about being in that house and seeing those Daisy appliques on the tub when they were there. And then Hyde himself took the stand. Um, I didn't think we were going to hear from him, but he offered a very composed and very kind of uh, unemotional, really flat affect testimony. Um, it did not seem to suit the nature of the charges. He had he he you know he did deny killing or harming Fred Lassiter, but not what you would call emphatically. And he was very combative uh, for a witness. Um, he was, you know, obviously very compliant with his own attorney and, and engaging with her. But once under cross-examination, he became very combative and a witness that not, not, argumentative. Well, I shouldn't say that. he was very argumentative, not, not like in a loud voice or, um, he was composed, but he was very difficult to get an answer from in a way that definitely affected his credibility. And he even tried to make weird jokes. Um, when he was under questioning by his own attorney, they said, well, you know, your house, we've seen pictures of your house. It was really, you know, a mess, wasn't it? And he said something like, yeah, if I'd known you all were coming over for a visit, I would have cleaned up. And and there was not a, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. Like nobody th chuckled, nobody even, it was just dead silence. So a really flat attempt at, I guess, humor. Um, and he was a, he was just a strange guy to watch testify. He was really, you know, um, he's an unusual man. And he was a therapist for years he also was counseling in Florida State Prison when he was arrested. Um, and he was a youth pastor um, or a youth counselor. Um, among patients that he counseled were 
teen sex offenders, which just seems like a very strange niche for somebody accused of what he's accused of. But um, that, I think, led him to be a, a fairly competent you know, person on the stand, but again, not necessarily convincing. This is Ronnie Hyde answering prosecution questions. Questions about that night in June 1994 when Fred Lester was last seen alive. So your testimony is that he got into a fight with his sister, but you don't know what it was about, and then he came and spent the night at your house, correct? Yes, because he refused to go home to his grandmother's house. That's correct. Right, and you knew he did not want to go home, correct? And I knew that he did not want to go to his grandmother's house, yes, and I thought that he... I mean, eventually I just gave in to him because he, re- he insisted not going to his grandmother's house. That's why thought, you... Excuse me. You know, I thought that if he were to get a night's sleep, yes. It's just with the garage sale, he'd feel better and we could talk about what, what was going on with him. The garage sale is not in your cabin. I'm sorry, I didn't... The garage sale is not written in your cabin. That's correct. Right. It's not, but that doesn't mean that I didn't have one. I had... I had Activities all the time, Mr. Miss Roddy, that I'll write down in the, in the calendar. Your thing, see, so, some of these garage sales were. There's no uh, question on the table, Mr. Hyde. I understand, sir. You I testified for two hours yesterday. Can I ask some questions? Of course, Mr. Okay. Roddy. So I have a question. You've testified that Fred Laster um, was a capable child, correct? Yes. Physically strong, you know, 16 year old man, almost. Correct? Yes. Yes, that's okay. Yeah, and you knew that he he did not want to go home, correct? Yes. Yeah, your testimony is he voluntarily got into your car, correct? Yes. To go home, correct? Yes. You didn't lie to him and say you were taking him to Pizza Hut or anything like that, right? No. Okay, you told him you were taking him home, taking him home, correct? Yes, he knew where he was going. And he got in voluntarily, correct? Yes, he got in voluntarily. Even though you lived at the beach, correct? Yes. And he wanted to be at the beach, correct? There, and he wanted to be in here in Illinois. That's where he wanted to be. You also testified he wanted to be back at the beach with his friends, too, right? Yes. You can't be in here in Illinois magically, correct? That would require resources, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So he wanted to go back to the beach in, in the immediate. Yes, in the immediate. Okay. So he's at the beach. Yes. He doesn't want to go home, but he gets your car voluntarily. Yes, you got it voluntarily. The trial lasted a week. I think they initially thought it was going to take longer to find a jury because the case had been high profile at a few different junctures. You know, there was a high profile discovery of this torso back in 1994. Then there was the case as it emerged um, in 2017 and thereafter. And, and that was a very high profile case in Jacksonville as they were digging up his yard and, um, you know, making the arrest. But they wrapped it up by, you know, the end of the week, and the jury deliberated, I think, about three hours, um, so not very long at all. I-, I was surprised it even took that long, frankly, but um, they were back well before we had to do our live shots at five o'clock. So um, it ended up being a fairly quick turnaround. Guilty verdict and a life sentence today within minutes. A 30-year-old cold case came to an end. And the church pastor, who posed as a close family friend, convicted of murdering a 16-year-old boy. A jury found Ronnie Hyde guilty of killing and dismembering 16-year-old Fred Laster, who disappeared back in 1994. All that was ever found of the teen was his torso behind a dumpster in Lake City. Tonight, On Your Side's Ann Schindler tells us about being in the courtroom today when that verdict was handed down. And 
She joins us now from the Duval County Courthouse. And if you could, Ann, tell us the reaction when that verdict was announced today. Well, it was muted, Jeannie. The judge had warned everyone in the courtroom not to react when the verdict was read. Uh, Ronnie Hyde himself had a very flat affect. He didn't respond at all when the verdict was read, but he's sort of been like that through the entire trial. For the Laster family, there were some hugs and some tears following the verdict being read. Um, their five siblings were in the courthouse. Those were his only, uh, Fred Laster's only remaining nuclear family. And this has been a difficult week for them. Not only have they had to sit through some grisly testimony, but three of them also had to take the stand. They were called to testify about their family's relationship with Hyde, who falsely claimed several of them as his foster children. Now, their victim's advocate, uh, through their victim's advocate, the family declined to comment, but Fred Laster's brother, Travis, did speak to the judge, giving a brief impact statement. But more than just the immediate loss of a brother, we lost a future with our brother. We lost a brother that we don't get to call on the weekends and ask, hey, did you see the law game? And they now are going to proceed with the 25 pending child pornography possession charges that he still has. They had a hearing uh, shortly after the trial ended to discuss like where they're going with that. His attorney said they wanted a little more time to talk to the prosecutor, uh, possibly negotiate something. So it's possible that that set of charges will end in a plea deal. I think that those cases are particularly hard to combat. And um, those cases are especially hard to get a jury for anymore. Um, so... Um, I think that they may just negotiate that one out. At any rate, he's been sentenced to uh, life in prison on the murder charges. And so regardless of how the child pornography case turns out, he's still going to be behind bars for a long time. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you'd like to hear more of the Ronnie Hyde interrogation and the interview that took place when he was brought in for questioning about the disappearance and murder of Fred Laster... You can listen to our podcast, Anything You Say, the second episode that came out on September 23rd, 2020, The Interrogation of Ronnie Hyde. And one final note, if you haven't already, check out our newest podcast, Locked Inside. It's co-production of Vault Studios and 12 News in Phoenix, Arizona, available wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next week right here on True Crime Chronicles with Reed Redman with a new case and a new story.